Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, we're rolling. Who asked me the other day, they go, what exactly is a J10 what initiative? What exactly is a J10 initiative? Oh, it was uh, Christy Stuffel. Christy Stuffel took one... Darn it. Walsh. Man, they've been married for over Edit, two years. Edited that out. Two He's going to kill me. Steve is going to... Hey, just so you know, I there is no Christy Stuffel in my phone. I've had to put it in as Christy Walsh. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but... I'm sure they understand. I know. I was with them for their anniversary. But anyways, Christy Walsh goes, um, so what exactly does your logo mean? Is it is it like a, a cross sitting on the bishop's throne? Like a like St. Peter's uh, chair? And I go, it's a cross and a microphone. You're thinking a bit too deeply. And she goes, that, Christy. Really? And then she goes, really? oh. And then I was like, not she doesn't, impressed. She doesn't sound like that. Though. Really? Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Christy and Steve celebrating the anniversary. Little Number birth, two. Little birthday. Number two. Yep. It's crazy. It's been two years. That's crazy. That was one of the best weddings, man. That was a. That was, that was a good a one. Great one. That was the only wedding I've been to where we honestly thought the bride and groom ghosted from the reception. True. Everybody thought because they was kind of whispering that it might happen, and then the the, the best man kind of did that kind of extended trivia thing. You remember that? Right. And everybody was like, um, "Oh, did they? Did they peace out?" That'd have been pretty wild, but they didn't. They didn't. No. So here we are. We uh, are. Um, I I know this sounds crazy, folks. But I have been entrusted with a profane duty, not a sacred duty, a profane duty, a secular duty, an ordinary duty, a dirty deed, if you will. I am in charge of ensuring that we get podcasts out and on time. And in order to do that well, I actually had to commit to a schedule Mm. months in advance, months. And uh, it's actually working quite well. So uh, we have chosen the podcast color for the Google Calendar as yellow. (laughs) Kind of neutral and bright and fun. And so at 8 p.m. tonight, I knew that Father John was going to show up. He was very functional, punctual, 8.05, showed up. Not as functional, but yeah. Not as functional. Functional. But very punctual, 8.05, and here we are, like less than 30 minutes after arrival. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're midway banter. Mid-banter, and we're drinking some nice uh, Woodford, thanks to Trevor Williams. Yep. Trevor... um, we uh, really enjoyed seeing you. Global really enjoyed beating you in cribbage. Oh, can I read the email that I got from our uh, vicar for clergy? Um, so apparently uh, some of our uh, photos have gone viral, uh. or at least uh, have been seen by uh, said uh, vicar for clergy. And I, I usually look at my phone sort of uh. not completely giving the full attention, but then when you see words of such nature that it's like, uh, excuse me. Uh, so the title, of, the title of this email was called Allegiance Questioned oh. from the Vicar for Clergy. Someone sent me these images last night, period. Very disappointing, period. I've already sent an introductory email to my counterpart in Pittsburgh to see if any sort of trade might be possible before spring training next year. Sincerely, Dollins. Ah, very nice. But I was like, allegiance question, and I'm like, uh, I really don't know when I would have said that. That's a great pick. It wasn't great. Except for, oh gosh, that last one. Not slimming. Yeah, no. No, that was great. There's was, some girth uh, on that one. It was but, great to be shameless, just shamelessly suddenly pirates fans, right? 
Yes, and we had a guy. We had a guy turn around. Did we say this on the last podcast? The guy turned around and he said, "I'm going to say this as graciously as possible. You're too much. I'll buy all of your friends beer, but you're too much." So, anyways, I responded to uh, said person's email with, "Amazing what rumors abound these days. I can assure you that I abide by our pastoral handbook like the pirate's code. Uh, nice. You know, guidelines." Hey, uh, do you want to know the score of the? Cardinals Cubs game right now. Four three. Four three. Wilson Contreras singles on a soft ground ball to pitcher Carlos Martinez. Why did Brian they, scores? Why did they Baez keep him in score the game? is to Whatever. third. Anyways, all right. We'll four go three for that. Four three. You're doing okay though. Cardinals are three games up on the Cubs. I actually think by the end that the end of the season it's going to be tied. It's going to come down to the last series, and um, I don't know. I was at a Rockies game this week, and. Uh, yeah, it was worst team in the uh, in the league, right? No, Rocks. No, is in our division. No, nope, in the division. Rockies well, are trying I, to get to we seventy wins. The Mets, and I was like, "Where are all these Mets? Mets fans everywhere coming out of the woodwork?" It's Whatever. just like what they know? weren't cheering for the Mets when they were like they got all their Mets gear on. Well, them. now that they actually have a decent team, there they're cheering. Everybody's cheering for that. Yeah. Well, so that's here good. we are. So here we are, man. Are you on first or am I? I think you're up first. Oh, I'm really? sorry. I'm 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 dogging it tonight. I um That's all right. I am I am tired, man. Tie tie. Tie tie. Not long for this life as you uh this is about getting to bedtime now. I'm a nine new nine. man. I'm a new man, Goble. Nine night. Yeah, you gotta get up early. Party time is over. Summer's over. Party time is we over. We got six AM holy hours now, which are I know. I texted you. Do you at, remember those? Yes. Yeah. So actually when I was there it was six thirty. Yeah, six thirty. When I was there fine. at six thirty and then now they've gone to six and I'm like, that's just obscene. Yeah, whatever. So anyways, um so I'm up first. You're up. Here we go. Go for it, man. Uh we're gonna be doing a little fundamental theology today. Oh, here we go. Father John has inspired me. He is um he's back to his old ways at the seminary teaching. And um one of the courses that he's teaching is on fundamental theology, and I did not like that course. That's I, right. You, in fact, advised me not to teach that course. I said that's a very difficult course to teach. Yeah. And, uh, it, and the way that he's presented it so far, I'm like, that would have been a fun course to take. Yeah. That is not the course that I took. Um, and um, and I said, well, you know, I'm going to dig into a little fundamental theology. All right. I got a great group of guys in fundamental theology, by the way. I've, I've had a lot of fun with them. And it's, it's 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday, so... Wow! But when your day starts at six or five thirty, it's eight a.m. is not because it's not bad. There are it's kind of mid morning. It's the late morning courses that that's when guys. True, are they actually crashing. say that that's the time to drink coffee. Eight a.m. Don't drink coffee. No, don't drink coffee from like six a.m. to like nine a.m. But drink coffee from nine to whenever when you're starting it down because you have a you have a natural uh, wake up period from with the sun. One of the circadian rhythms, and then you got to catch that high and keep going. Yeah, and then other people like Jordan Lynch say it's good if you put butter in that coffee. I wonder if he's still doing that. That's funny. Yeah, this guy is like <laughs> rail thin, swole, and he eats you know uh, summer squash vegetis and butter in his <laughs> coffee, and it's just like have they have they ever heard that story real quick about the vegetis? <laughs> I don't know. So I so, go, I go. God over bless it. whoever created the 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 vegetis. The Vegetti, very poorly named, but uh, but I got it. I got invited over to the Lynch household, which was good because I never thought I would be invited back after I puked in their backyard. Different story, okay. All right. Um, 
But the uh, I go over, you know, they have I think they just had one kid at the time, just just Jackson. Just Jackson. And uh this they were living, living in Edgewater. Brother. Living in Edgewater and uh <laughs> they invited me over. They're gonna test out their new Vegetti. And so we had uh what what's it called? Zucchini noodles. Zucchini noodles <laughs> and like marinara sauce. And I'm like, Okay, so I ate it or whatever, and then I told John later, I was like if this is how skinny people live, I I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to live that way. So and the uh, yeah that's right it's not worth it. But something that, that got screwed up right that wasn't actually I don't know what yeah I don't know what happened. But you know they're they're great. He's redeemed himself sevenfold because he's got this Traeger and he's oh, made oh he's the man it, he's doing desserts he's on the made Traeger some crazy delights on that Cubs thing, just so. tied at four four. Sorry to tell you that mound visit. Four to three. Oh my gosh! Bottom of the ninth. Is Carlos one. still in? Um, let's see. Joke. Yep. No, they put in Andrew Miller now. Yeah. Well, you put in Andrew Miller about three batters too late. Why didn't they put in Gallegos? Uh, one more funny story about the Lynches. I get Katie sends us these videos every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So um, the the Listening. Lynch boys are getting progressively weirder as they get you know as they're born. And number three is going to be a wild man, Caleb. Yeah. He's one and a half, but we're already starting to see. He is a strong-willed dude, little dude. He's hilarious, very charming, and uh, his, he, his first two words were mama and dada. Guess what his third word was? Poop, poop. Darkness. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> I was like, who taught him? His brothers must have been messing with he's him. Been like, watching, Darkness. He's been watching um, Rick James. I think Lebsock would love that to hear a kid, you know. Darkness. 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 So they got him on film saying, saying, Darkness. Darkness. All right. Okay. So here we go. Um, sometimes you get like insights, and then once you get that insight, you're like, I gotta keep, I gotta keep moving in this uh, beyond where I, it took me before because it's really intriguing. And and sometimes you, you just think about these things in a different light for the first time. So this is the gospel from this past weekend, Luke chapter 15. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Don't worry. Everybody had to enjoy it, not endure it. Enjoy it. That's a great. It's a great reading, and I deliberately set the uh, preaching schedule so that the deacons did not preach on this reading. But it says, tax collectors and sinners were all drearing near to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, he addressed this parable, and he goes on, okay? So there's there's the sheep, there's the sheep, shepherd, the sheep. shepherd, the coin, and the uh, prodigal son. son. Yeah. And I normally just you know, kind of can skip to the prodigal son. But this is what's interesting. It says, What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert, in the wilderness, and go after the lost one until he finds it? How many people do you think will actually do that? I I mean, some people said to me, oh, we would we would do that. I'm yeah. like, every time? Yeah. All the time? You know that um, there's ninety-nine sheep in the wilderness and you have the possibility of wolves coming in and eating 14 of them and you're going to go after one are you crazy you know or what woman having 10 coins and losing one would not light a lamp and sweep the house searching carefully until she finds it and when she does find it she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them rejoice with me because i've found the coin that i lost and just the same way i tell you there will be rejoicing among the angels of god over one sinner who repents so what I was thinking about is, why does Jesus tell this parable? Because he's, he's, he's saying that this is what the kingdom of God is like, and this is what the king is like. And the king is sent 
by, in a, in a sense, the Father, mm. you know? And so I was just meditating on what is the nature of God's pursuing love? Like, you had a major conversion. Right. And you couldn't exactly predict how that was going to happen or when that was going to happen or why that was going to happen. I, in some way, didn't have a major conversion, but I would say that at some point in my life, God actually revealed himself in a pretty powerful way. And it was irresistible, instant, and um, not anything that I deserved. In fact, I think both of us can say that both of our both of our conversions happened ostensibly while we were in a state of sin. Oh yeah, yeah. Some more than others. Some more than others. Hypothetically, yeah. Imagine two debtors. One owed fifty, and the other owed five hundred. Okay. So, anyways, so then I started looking at all right. What's the what's the nature of God, right? And I, I really was moved by this. And and normally the prodigal son story does something to uh, whatever splognitso my you okay. know move, move the, the bowels. bowels. Yeah. But in this sense, I was like, I was just thinking about the the nature of God's will for salvation and the nature of um, of in a way, irresistible grace. Okay? Okay. Thoughts? Mm. Is this fundamental theology? Is this the proper... We're getting there. We're getting there. The problem is I only have taught the first third of, re- of fundamental theology, which is revelation, tradition, and scripture. We're so getting I'm, there. Okay, because I'm like, if you're doing faith and theology, that's the second half of the class, and I'm not there. All right, yeah. Preambula fide and all these things. The, so. the preambula fide. And I found a little a nervous tick about myself... When I'm alone and no one's around and I have to read something and I'm tired, I will read it aloud to myself. Uh. But it tends to sink in better when I use this voice. God reveals his plan of loving goodness. It pleased God in his goodness and wisdom to reveal himself and to make known the mystery of his will. His will was that men should have access to the Father through Christ, the Word made flesh, in the Holy Spirit, and thus become sharers in the divine nature. Father John, what Vatican document is that from? I'm going to take a wild guess. That's Dave Verbum. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice job. There you go. Dave Verbum 5-2. Top, Ver- top of the 10th, by the way, Cardinals. Four, four. Oh, that's fine. 4-5? 4-4. 4-4. Yeah. Four, four. Four, four. Four, four. Okay. So what the, the first thing is what is God's will uh what is what is God's will it's actually God's will that men should know him I think that's important for people to realize that it's it's not God's will that they not sin or it's not God's will that they I don't know do great things or you know build the kingdom or whatever it's just to know him right yeah, we we presume that, or we presuppose that. We don't actually talk about that a lot. I was yesterday with a guy named Ty- Kyle Tannehill, one of my guys. Great. We went for a beer at uh, Homegrown Tapendo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're in the collar, everything crazy happens. True. So the guy tells us all about the Pastafarianism. Pastafarianism. Are you familiar with this? No. It's basically this, this God is this absurd kind of pasta monster, spaghetti monster in the sky. That this is actually a registered religion in the United uh-huh. States, Pastafarianism. So, and he's just joking. He was just joke. He was trying to kind of make some connection to. Yeah, right. It was yeah. just one of those. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. But the point is to say that 
and I, I talked about this in class this morning, um, as an example of what happens if you lose the possibility of actually accessing God in himself. Like if you can't say he's real mm-hmm. and he's accessible, he's made himself known, yes. Yes. i.e. there's revelation, yes. self-disclosure, then uh, in our postmodern con- context, um, which is basically Nietzsche rejecting the modern reduction of God as an idea, then you get Pastafarianism, right? right. You get It's just absurd. It's completely absurd. Yep. Religion is absurd. Yes. Yeah, because we've we've turned it into sort of this uh, extracurricular activity. It just sort of makes things a little bit better, right? You know, makes us a little bit better. Yeah, right. Right. And um, but it's not actually a fundamental question, and it's not actually foundational to my life in so many different areas, in so many different ways. So part of the reason why this story came about is if you remember, I met a girl at the Pirates game, right? Okay, who was Jewish, right? And that's dangerous, okay? So we, we kept it. We kept it. She above, wasn't Italian and kept Jewish. It, it's so true. That's even. We worse. kept it above board, right? right? But at some point during the game, I talked to her about you know like we have to understand like you know that that, that, that this this life actually has meaning. Right. And we're kind of you know joking and you know playing around a little bit, and then at some point she goes, "Well, I don't know if we can say that there's something out there," and I said, "Quote, it's not something. It's, it's someone." someone. And she goes, you could tell that it took her back. I don't know if you were listening to this. Mm-mm. And she said... Um, I had so much pain from wearing those earrings as pirates. That's true. I don't we know had, how you did that. We had fake earrings. Hours. We had fake earrings. And when I tried to pull mine out, I actually, <laughs> I actually ripped my ear. Ears are very sensitive. Um, anywho, but uh, she said, I, I said, do you not believe that? And her, her eyes were actually filling with tears. And she said... Um, Sometimes I pray to God. Some whenever I was a kid, I prayed to God, and uh, I don't know if He heard me, and I wanted Him to hear me, and I don't actually, I don't know if He did. And uh, some people got sick, whatever. She kind of went on, but that's the question. For her, it was like I wanted to believe that there was someone out right. there, and it's easier for me to live if it's just something. Right. But the question still haunted her. Yeah. So we've got to we got to look. This is fifty one, uh, Dave Abram two, but uh, this is at the very beginning of the Catechism fifty one. Um, what is God pleased to reveal? He's re- pleased to reveal Himself and His will, the mystery of His will that men should come to know Him. Right? I even used book darts. Oh, shout out Jacob Strand. Jacob Strand, He's the book dart guy originally. All right, I was talking to. Uh, this thing about the will is interesting too, knowing the person, knowing the will, because I was talking to a friend today um, who's out of college doing kind of discernment, um, but really in a place of like, it seems like God has just kind of put the brakes on, you know, religious life, marriage, this kind of thing. Hmm. And uh, the what we were talking about, as I said, I think he's kind of inviting you to, uh, this is going to sound weird, but like a purposeless discipleship that is to say like to just be with him mm. and not try and right. center your entire prayer life around yep. solving the riddle of your vocation right. and existence yes you know this is the will of god in christ jesus that you know this is the will of god in christ jesus that you know the only begotten son and the one who he has sent the father you know the father and the one whom he has sent it's not like figure you out your vocation. teach teachers to teach right it's not like 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get all that other stuff. Let's just get on to tell me what I need to do. Right. Tell me. It's like the first thing is you just got to know. You got to yep. know him. Yep. And um, and you got to keep coming back to knowing him. And uh, because I think that we we naturally objectivize him. You know, I a lot of times my struggles in faith are are not so much with suffering as they are just I reduce God. It's very Cartesian. I want a clear and distinct idea, mm-hmm. right? Instead of this mystery. This mysterious person who transcends my even my my even most basic understandings of what it means to be in relate in a personal relationship, he's constantly exploding that, constantly transcending that, um, and I think we have to kind of keep coming back to that. We really do live in a culture of therapeutic therapeutic deism, where it's just God's just this is his idea. He got the thing going, mm-hmm. and he's just and so to kind of reaccess that to to recover that that's a that's a major work. Uh, of the of the spiritual life, and and it's so foreign to our culture and to the kind of spiritual. And I think it's actually a danger for us who sort of uh, trade in sacred things, or people who are kind of well versed in terms of uh, Christian uh, vocabulary and everything. They listen to podcasts, maybe they've taken some classes, they've done a Bible study, they were in discipleship, whatever else. Like they have all the language, but they're missing out on something fundamental. And this is actually where the the Protestants are waving the mm-hmm. the waving the flag and saying, "Look, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus." Right. And it's like, "Oh well, yeah, that's true." But it's not just you can't even stop there. You actually have to go into that. You have to you have to penetrate to the to the to the depths of that. Your friend that you rode with in uh, on the whatever Courage Classic or whatever the 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 minister up at Montana. Oh yeah, Vern. I think he was somebody who actually had to go beyond just it's about a personal relationship oh, yeah, with Jesus, yeah. but actually go deeper into yeah. that. Absolutely. So so that's the first thing. God's will is to reveal himself. And and then the second one kind of find in uh, Catechism 303. This is in the section on um the profession of faith, the mystery of creation, creator, whatever. Um let's see here. Mm, okay. The witness of Scripture is unanimous that the solicitude of divine providence is concrete and immediate. God cares for all, from the least things to the greatest events of the world and its history. The witness of Scripture is unanimous that the solicitude of divine providence is concrete and immediate. God cares for all. It is God's desire that all persons come to salvation. Right. And not just like the good boys or the good girls and not just the ones who actually like figure out the the codes the cheat codes but actually he wants to see every single person come to life and we forget that because it's like well yeah i mean i I think that god wants us to know him and he wants us to love him but you know like there are some people that do or don't love him and and he's kind of like well i'll i'll get them all in the end he's actively seeking right now yeah with solicitude, with desire, um, to ensure that all persons come to salvation. I was con-celebrating Mass at the seminary, and I looked down the line during the sign of peace, and on my right was four different guys, Monsignor Ken Leone, Hmm. Father Andreas Hoke, uh, Father Jim Thermas, and Father Dan Barron. And I was like, I am standing next to four spiritual powerhouses. This is crazy that I'm here. But But the word that came was, at some point, all of these men were taken. Like their lives are just not their own. They're they're the examples of how the God just took everything and they ga- and they gave everything. Yeah. 
and they're just this they're these living holocausts of priests and you 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 know that when you meet a priest who's who's not divided by his worldly or kind of his own personal selfish concerns uh, and then his service he's not there's no calculus these guys are just completely kind of given over to it and i i was just kind of like man how do i do that how do i live like that more deeply because they're 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 drawing from a fount that in in their spiritual life uh, somebody was telling me about watching Leone do a holy hour. He just stares mm-hmm. for an hour. He does. Just stares at the Eucharist. Yep. Right. And he kind of has this like, it's not a scowl. It's just like, yep. you know, it's almost a grimace. It's, um, uh, so yeah, I, I think of those guys as examples of, of, of men who are really living with that sense that providence is concrete and immediate. Is that what it says? Concrete and immediate. Yeah. Like they they they're seeing God work every day. It shows it shows in the scriptures that you can say concretely and immediately, God desires the salvation of all. Right. Okay. Skipping multiple sections of the catechism, right? You see, like a uh, two inches, right? Right. Those two inches. After we establish that it's God's will that we know Him, and that He actually desires that all persons know Him. We cover two different sections. One is sacraments. Well, one's creed, really. Another one's sacraments. The third is moral life, okay? People tend to just go right to moral life, right? right? They got it all. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll figure it out. All right, this is is what I need. I cut out, do, et cetera, fine. They forget that the whole reason why God does all of these things, the reason why we have the liturgy, the reason why we have sacraments, the reason why you even have the capacity for virtue. Capacity. Capacity is because it's God's will. Right. And ultimately, we have to acknowledge that it is the first cause of our life in him is him. He is the one who does it. So as much as we're like, you know what, we're going to figure this out. We're going to build the kingdom. We're going to come to faith. We're going to build these great programs. We're going to keep everything zipped up. It's like, nope. You ultimately cooperate in the first action of God, which is he desires your salvation more than you do. Right. You think, you know what? I should like I should want heaven more than more than more than hell or more than, you know, fill in the blank. God actually wants you more than anything. He actually desires your salvation. Yeah. He wants you. He's searching like the shepherd for you without without care, w- without care of cost or without care of um, how long it's going to take. Like, I just imagine God as Liam Neeson and Taken. Oh, he man. will do whatever. And he's just going to keep going. He's going to mow anyone down. And he's just going to keep moving. It's amazing. We watched that movie, my dad and brother and I, the night my sister left for Europe. What? Terrible mistake. Steve rented it, of course. So it was like, oh, man. Poor but Steve. Yeah, but that's that. That's it, yeah. Just kind of the recklessness of of divine love. You wrote on Eros, right, in Priestly yeah. Life, and how that flows out of the, the, the desirous love of God. And I think of Augustine when we talk about this, you know, and just his whole theology being kind of structured by. Funny you should say that, John. Uh-huh. We go to our third quote. After... God's will is revealed, and his will is for all to come to salvation, yada, 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 liturgy and sacraments and virtue, we arrive at an essential principle of fundamental theology, namely, grace. Grace begins not in me, but in God. 
St. Augustine, take it away. Indeed, is this the quote? Yeah, 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 here we go. Indeed, we also work, but we are only collaborating with God who works, for his mercy has gone before us. It has gone before us so that we may be healed and follows us so that once healed, we may be given life. It goes before us so that we may be called and follows us so that we may be glorified. It goes before us so that we may live devoutly and follows us so that we may always live with God, for without him we can do nothing. Everything begins in God, is centered in God, and finds its completion in God. So why do I think that it relies on me? I don't know. I do this all the time. A lot of times when I find myself completely overwhelmed by the day, it's because I have told myself that God is relying on me to do everything. Right. And I'm a fool. Yep. It's terrifying. That is a major temptation. We're kind of all closet Pelagians in that sense of just we're, we're kind of working out our own salvation and he kind of shows up in Holy Hour at Mass and these kind of things. But yeah. Pelagius was Irish, by the way. I just learned that. Did you know that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. Yep. Yeah. So there's something about the... Uh, and there's probably a connection between France and Ireland. Yeah. That they, they went they went over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jansenism and the whole bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the... Uh, that's we that's often, St. Augustine on nature and grace, by the way. I think that the uh, one of the challenges that we face is that we try to evaluate. We live in a culture of self-assessment and, and self-evaluation. I mean, seminary life is just, it's constant assessment. I feel bad for these guys because it's just like assess, 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 assess. Everything is just measurable assessments, you know? That's the scientific world that we live in, whether that's, you know, biology or psychology, whatever it might be. You have to assess and then you kind of regulate based on that. Problem with the life of grace is that you can't assess it, you know? Yes. I, I don't know. Yep. Did I? I can't measure... I don't have smart goals on how I cooperated with grace today, you know? Yep. I didn't sign a contract today, the Lord saying, know. you know, here's my performance. We're going to do a quarterly evaluation here, and he's going to come back and say, okay, you know, we saw a 4% increase here on, right. uh, on hope and 7% increase, and then a negative 14% right. on faith or, you know. Yep. And I think that we would want that so badly. Why? So that we can say, I measure up to God, and uh, I'm better than other persons. Yeah. I was taken back while I was preparing for this podcast. I once showed my report card to my dad's boss. This, this is a long time ago when I was probably 10 years old. No, this is, this is Lloyd. <laughs> that was what my dad called him, okay? Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd uh, sat me on his lap, and he said, show me your report card. And I showed him. I was super proud. I had gotten four A's and two B's. And he, Lloyd said, you uh, you get a dollar for every A you get. I'm like, heck yeah, dude. Four bucks. Gives me two dollars. And I'm like, what the frick? Like, Pulled you know, two back for the B's. Two back. No, because he said, I don't give any money for A minuses. Oh. A, those aren't A's. Those are A minuses. And I remember, I remember that moment of saying, I've got to be better. I got to work harder. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to let any of these things kind of take me down. And that is probably one of the more detrimental things that happened in my academic life. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Such a little thing. And I mean, because from then on, 94, 
94 was my least favorite number. Hmm. I always shot for a 95. 95 meant you're A. Yep. 94 meant you're an A minus. A minuses, those are for losers. And I didn't care at all about learning. Yeah. And that to me is like, if if we had a measurable, attainable kind of goal or whatever, and we could say that, then we would say, you know what? Those losers, they're A minuses. I'm an A. That's why I'm going to make it. And we've seen that in the seminary. Yep. We've seen it in priesthood. Yep. We've seen it in, in high school, junior high, whatever, who's up, who's down, who's a loser, who's a winner, all of it. And it's very tempting. And I would say the spiritual life, there is no USB port for you to get a download of what's your progress. Right. I think ultimately the progress is, are you in grace or out of grace? If you're in grace, you're actually a winner. If you're in a state of grace, you're you're winning. Not in the sense of like you're conquering or whatever, but God is on your side. Without God, you can do nothing. Nothing. Right. Even the things that you think you do will come to nothing. And there are moments when grace is felt and manifested and, and the, the heart is moved out of, I don't know, to a place of forgiveness or a place of peace or a place of freedom. I mean, we all experience those, but that's not, I don't know, my experience is that's not the normative day-to-day, you know, because again, it's, it's, it's not about my progress. Right. This is a love, this is a love story. This is a narrative. Yeah. And this is the, this is a passionate pursuit that's unlike anything that we've ever, that we can even imagine. Right. Greater it, than any, any story ever. What is that? Isn't, isn't that the, the, the headline of the chapter in, uh, Brideshead Revisited, a twitch on a thread? Twitch upon a thread. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it, because we think we've gone all the way to the end, and that we're beyond God's capacity to to catch us, to capture us, to find us, and it's right there. And that's exactly what they're saying in in uh, Catechism two thousand five. This is the last point, okay? Uh, and it's a it's a helpful uh, quote from Saint Joan of Arc. In fact, hold on, can I read the Twitch upon a thread for you? This is a great one. Yeah. So they're reading Chesterton in book two of uh, Brideshead. And, oh, I had it a second ago. Father Brown said something like, I caught him, the thief, with an unseen hook and an invisible line, which is long enough to let him wander to the ends of the world and still to bring him back with a twitch upon a thread. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A little fly, fly rod action. A fly rod action. That's Yipe! right. Yipe! Yipe! Fish on. Exactly. And uh, the this be- beautiful paragraph, 2005, talks about how grace escapes our understanding, our experience, but is only known by faith. And when asked by Saint jo- uh, by one of the judges, St. Joan of Arc was asked, if she knew she was in God's grace, she replied, quote, if I am yeah. not, may it please God to put me in it. If I am, may it please God to keep me there. And um, with that, I would just uh, say, we hear this every uh every time uh we go to mass and eucharistic prayer 3 is is proclaimed because at the very beginning at the very beginning before the epiclesis before we call down the holy spirit uh we say um you give life to all things and make them holy by the power and working of the holy spirit and you never cease to gather a people to yourself you never cease to gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. You have to imagine God as never ceasing to gather you to himself, gather me to himself. Um, and in that, he's always on the move. He will never stop. 
He will not fail. And uh, he will not give us, he will not fail in that he has given us every opportunity to come to faith. It's not that, uh, some people said, well, this sounds like universalism. Mm-hmm. No, it's that there's sufficient grace for every single person, and God will not abandon his people. I love it. Yep. God's on the move, folks. And this is the impetus for a book called Dare We Hope That All Men Be Dare Saved. Dare We Hope! By Hans Urs von Balthasar. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, He's I, meditating on Paul's line, God desires that all men be saved. Exactly. And he's saying, what does that mean? He's not proposing universalism. So if you ever hear people dogging on this, and just by the way, the German is not Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved. The German original is Was dürfen wir hoffen? Was dürfen wir hoffen? Was dürfen wir hoffen? Ja, jawohl. What ought we to hope? Yeah. Now that's very different. Mm. So that's just a little. We've done a podcast on this. Was Balthazar a heretic? You know, it's fine. But yada, yes. Yada, yada, yada. No, I mean, I've, I've read the preface to that book uh, by uh, Bishop Robert Barron. Um, I'm hoping to at some point read the actual you know, text. There you go. Um, but for now, I just leave you with the image of God is on the move. He's a prowler. He's working. He's a hunter. He's a fisherman. He's a creeper. He's coming after you. <laughs> and uh, just be ready. Like, you yeah. think that you've escaped him. You think that as a sheep, you've outwitted him, or as the coin, you've rolled away to a place that he'll never find you, and he's coming. And as two guys who he caught, we can say, oh, yeah. we gave him very little. I yeah. I gave him very, very little. Yeah. You were the son, tiniest open. You were son one. I was son two. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Dave Goble did enough sinning for all of us. <laughs> But I was just like, then I'm the older son. And I'm like, what a load of garbage. Yep. You know, I served you all these years. So anyways, um, I'm very grateful uh, to have this podcast as another one of God's trouble hooks where he's going to hook a number of people when they're at least expecting it. Get ready, ready, as your football you coach better, would say. You better get ready, ready. I'm coming for you. <laughs> all right, here all we right, go. Shout outs, here we go. Nice job. So I got a, uh, two shout outs. First off, um, Sons of Thunder. My boys up in Minnesota, they have a podcast. Um, Eric Brombach, Josh Pine, yeah, Jacob Mischke, and the, and the boys. What? Uh, but then there's also another podcast that was started by our seminarians called Sons of Ours. Yeah. You know about that, okay. Yep. So I, I want to give a shout out Sons to Sons of Ours. And then secondly <laughs> to uh, Ben and John Ramini, um, both of whom are, you know that you you know them. Nope. Ben was in Rome with me. He was the guy uh, I used to sit and talk about Dostoevsky in yeah. the summer in Assisi. Ben and his brother John. John is the younger brother starting seminary. Ben is just leaving oh, seminary. Okay. Yeah. So I want to shout out to those guys. They've been uh, great friends and great listeners and uh, just got a wonderful email from John. And uh, So Ben, praying for you, man. It's it's a lot harder to leave seminary than it is to go, especially when you've been in for a bit. So, mm-hmm. uh, But you're following the Lord's will. And... Um, both those guys are, are men who who have received the, the Lord who's pursuing their hearts, and I, I just love them, so I'm grateful to them. Yeah. Uh, uh, another podcast. I think we've done this one. I can't remember. That night was pretty sleepy, but um, uh, to Pete Makaitis, How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Did we talk about no, that? No, I don't think so. Pete Makaitis is on the fishing trip. Uh, he's the one that told the... Um, uh, the yogurt cups st- joke. Oh yeah, um, okay. that's a really good one. Can't tell it on nope. on here, no, but um, anyways. Uh, but uh, Pete McKaitis has a great uh, podcast called "How to Be Awesome at Your Job," and uh, gets a lot of listeners. And uh, he's always so uh, good at interviewing that he was uh, Father Nick Blaha 
and Connor Danstrom, Father Connor Danstrom and myself were sleeping, and we awoke to Pete Mikaitis interviewing Father Tom Byrne about his uh, cot that he had purchased from REI. So the conversation went something like, tell me more about that cot that you just bought. And Tom's like, oh, well, I got it at REI. It was at a garage sale. It was yeah, barely used. I got it for 50 bucks. So how do you find the cot? Do you find it a good, you know, and he, and he's just, we're listening to this interview and it's like, like, it was actually very engaging, you yeah. know, but it's like, dudes, it's like 730 in the morning. Yeah. Why do you need to have this conversation right, right now? But he well, does a lot of interviews on his podcast. So he's very good at it. So check it out. Uh, how to be awesome. At did Blaha shave his beard? Oh, no. Oh, man. It's a gorgeous beard. I love it. Um, and then uh, the next shout-out is to uh, Ale Alejandra, Ale Alejandra, <laughs> and Annalise uh, from Lourdes, baptism coordinators. They are the premier baptism coordinators in the Archdiocese of Denver. I showed uh, up. The premier. Do you want, do you want some uh, Do you want some water, Father? Here's your vestments. Do you need a microphone? Here's the names. You know, they had everything. Yeah, exactly. They had everything set out yeah. or whatever. And I was like, and who are you? And she's like, I'm Alejandra. And I was like, I'm not your babe. I'm not your babe. Fernando. And she's like, Father Brian is like, never, never caught on to that. And you're so much cooler. I'm like, I am so much cooler. So anyways, Tell me some they're more. super great. Alejandra. Yep. Yeah. Alejandra and Annalise. They were sweet girls. They listened to the podcast. All right. That's it, huh? That's it. I got some good news. Cardinals won five four. Yes, all right. See, it always works out. Pull it off in the tenth inning. Whenever I, whenever I say I'm not going to focus on sports, I tell you what, God comes through. Even though Harrison Bader, yeah, we don't. He's going to come to conversion. This is Catholic stuff you should know. A J10 initiative. Um, Like us on various outlets that you can check us out on. Um, Somebody asked me the other day, "Hey, what place are you in?" I was like, "I don't know." Like. 100 podcast place yeah like in the, all the podcasts we're behind like Always. Christian bedroom talk oh, I'm like what the <laughs> what the freak man like what is with these people so anyways um, Catholic stuff uh, podcast at gmail.com check us out have a great day if you haven't heard Father Michael O'Loughlin is in a new parish uh, please send him boots this is Catholic stuff see you later see you next week <laughs>